Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life and the final episode of The Conversation for this year. The conversation I have every month in the first week of each month with Bill Shapiro. Well, who's Bill? Well, Bill served as the relaunch editor-in-chief of Life, the legendary photo magazine, in 2004, and later he was the founding editor-in-chief of Life.com. He's the author of several books, among them Gus and Me, a children's book he co-wrote with Rolling Stones guitarist Keith Richards, and What We Keep, which looks at the objects in our life that hold the most emotional significance a fine art photography curator for New York Galleries and a consultant to photographers. He's also a contributing editor to the Leica Conversation series. Bill has written about photography for the New York Times magazine, Vanity Fair, The Atlantic, Vogue, Esquire, among others. Every Friday, more or less, he posts about under-the-radar photographers on his Instagram feed where he's at Bill Shapiro. Now, every time that Bill and I meet up, our conversation kind of connects with what we were talking about previously. Quite often, Bill sets the agenda, and that's the case this month. Okay, so Bill, welcome back to the podcast. I think what's going to be our last uh, little piece of conversation before the end of 2023. It has gone so fast, Grant. I know it does, doesn't it? But um, we're going to, as always, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got kind of an interesting, um, I think, kind of conversation that you've instigated this um, this time. But before we do, uh, we've got some feedback from a couple of uh, listeners to our last conversation. And I thought I'd share them uh, with you, the listener. And thanks, Bill, for passing them on to me. So, uh, Michael Young, who's a Bronx-based portrait and uh, street photographer. Hello, Michael. He said, um, such a great podcast, Bill, uh, on feedback, eye-opening to me, and I do some of these things. I love the Michael Robinson Chavez quotes. Uh, so that's great, how to give it and how to take, take it, I should say. I think what Chavez said about Instagram is spot on, and I feel that uh, my work growth may be suffering from it. Well, I hope, Michael, that our feedback was of some use to you. And also from uh, Francisco Marin, who is an architectural and fine art photographer uh, and also a Leica Academy instructor in North America, uh, in the Bay Area, so I presume. Does that mean San Francisco, would you say? Yeah, the San Francisco area, yes. That's what I thought. So, so um, Francisco says, what a fantastic podcast. It's lovely to have all this positive feedback. Um, I'm very sensitive to critiques because I take it sometimes personal and too personal when my wife is criticizing. Uh, then there was a crying, laughing emoji. But the truth to be told and the way you guys exposed in this podcast is an opinion. And as that, many people can have different opinions on the same piece of photograph. Uh, Always a a slight sort of truncated text here when it comes through on Instagram. Uh, After all, photography is an art, and what is a beauty to some, it can't be for others. Great podcast. Thank you, Bill. I will be more mature in the future when people look at my pictures and listen to their opinions as you did when you kindly wrote the piece about me and my work. So uh, a big thank you to you there, Bill. You're coming out of those very well. Well, they're just contacting me on um, uh, through Instagram, and um, 
Um, but I think people should should definitely, you know, feel free to either contact you or I on Instagram or or Twitter slash X or threads or or by email. Um, you know, and, and Grant, I was thinking about I, I listened to the episode after, after, you know, after it came out. And one thing that struck me in listening to myself speak about feedback in that episode is that I was really concentrating on the kind and the style of feedback I gave when I was on the job, you know, at Life Magazine specifically, which was a different style than the kind of feedback I give now when photographers uh, call and do a sort of a consultation with me. And that led me to think about how the kind of feedback changes in a different context. Like when I was at Life, the feedback was very focused on how do we fill these six pages and are these the right photographs or the right photographer to fill those six pages versus the kind of feedback I sort of give on my own, which is more geared to the photographer and his or her photographs and and, and the growth that that person can have. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense because when I was an art director, again, exactly the same as you're saying, I gave feedback in a very different way. I was much harder, much harsher, I think, actually, um, because of that kind of pressured environment um, than the way in which I give feedback now to students and photographers more as a mentor, really. Right. So, So I guess what I'm saying is the same set of photographs can receive radically different feedback in different situations, even if it's from the same person. Yeah, I think we we need to revisit it in the new year, don't we, Bill? I think we do. Now, you reached out to me, as you have a tendency to do with these ideas for the conversation. I I have to admit, you are the the chief uh, kind of instigator of what we we talk about, which I love. Um, And you said, um, why don't we talk about uh, things photographers get wrong uh, but not the photographs. And uh, I didn't really know what you were talking about, to be honest with you. But I thought, well, let's go with it. That will be good. Um, and then does I anybody, stopped. but but does anybody ever really know what I'm talking about? Well, I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. No, we've been doing this for over a year. If we're only just getting to that point, we're definitely in trouble. But. Um, I started to think about it, and it took me back to a column I used to write in a photography magazine every month. And it was me writing about all the kind of shoots and stuff I've been on over the years. And I started to realize that every shoot I'd ever been on, something had gone wrong. But actually, that didn't matter, because at the end of the day, it was all okay. Um, And then I thought about kind of the two of the kind of biggest faux pas that I can... um, uh, remember being involved with, uh, and I, I apologize profusely for the the name dropping here, but I did at one point nearly suffocate uh, the singer Kylie Minogue with glue fumes whilst I was trying to put her into a Perspex box, and uh, another time with Courtney Cox actually at, in Smashbox Studio in LA. I um, when I met her, I said, I, I think you're great in Cheers, of course the the Boston Bar uh, comedy and uh, Not Friends, a, a, a program I hadn't seen actually at the time. So two kind of real faux pas, which weren't about the photograph, but were very much about being on set. So, so those, those are humorous and funny to look back on now, but how do, how do you sort of think about those two mistakes 
you know, what sort of category would you would you put those in? Well, I, I suppose the uh, the Courtney Cox one, I would put it quite firmly into stupidity and lack of research, uh, which I, I never did again. I always made sure that I knew. And I suppose the Kylie Minogue I would put down to um, old-fashioned enthusiasm before Photoshop. And you couldn't just Photoshop somebody into a Perspex box. You had to build it and actually photograph them in it. So um, I'm not so, I don't have a problem with the Kylie Minogue one, but the Courtney Cox one, yeah, probably wasn't great. Well, I mean, I guess the question is, you know, I'm not a photographer, have never built a set or anything like that. But if you were going to do that again, even with the box, would you would you sniff the glue beforehand? Would you see how how adhesive the tape that you were going to put on her skin really was? You know, would you test drive all these elements? Well, I would. I the the idea of sniffing glue takes me back to my punk days. But uh, same not, here. Uh, the the zine the zine sniffing glue rather than the 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 actuality. But um, yeah, I think really how as you get more experience, how you avoid such issues is preparation and research. And I think, is that, is that what you're talking about? Um, it could be. Yes, it could. I mean, I think that's definitely part of what I'm talking about. You know, there are, there's so much that happens outside of the frame. And I guess I feel like a lot of conversation about success and, and mistakes when photographers talk often happens about what's going on inside the frame. And so that's why I thought to take it, to take it outside those four, those four, um, you know, borders. Well, I love the idea of that because I, I don't think we should ever have a fear of failure. Fear of failure prevents us from doing exciting things, but I bet you've been talking to people, Bill. Um, I have, I have as usual. And, and the first, you know, the first, person I spoke with uh, did not sort of want to go on the on the record. It's a photographer. So I'll just say this one kind of random, but I think very interesting and unexpected mistake. Um, So this photographer said that one of the things she sees less experienced photographers, one of the mistakes she sees less experienced photographers make is not using their ears. In other words, not listening for the changes in the room if they're shooting like in a crowded room and where where's the silence coming from where's the where's the loudest voice or the biggest laughter coming from and letting those sounds sort of dictate you know what what draws her camera and so i thought that was kind of an interesting idea that photographers don't use their ears enough don't want to make this all about me in any way but I was once at a Monte Carlo photographing the Grand Prix for Ferrari, and um, I suddenly looked up and realized I was the last one on the grid, and they were all about to take off because I hadn't heard them say, clear the grid, clear the grid. So um, as far as not using your ears, that that certainly re- resonates with me. But are you, is this photographer a documentary photographer who's trying to find images within a perhaps a – uh, a busy, crowded space. Yes. Okay. So it's about isolating. What do you mean by isolating? Well, kind of isolating the image within the chaos. You know, that kind of bringing order to chaos. Well, no, it's more, well. I'm I'm not. The way I heard what she said was, a lot of photographers look for the action in a room or at an event, 
as opposed to listening for it. She felt like when she really opens her ears, that can kind of direct her to where her lens should go. That's interesting. Because also, I suppose you could say the same thing about what, you know, when you're photographing somebody, you really have to tune in with your ears, I often find, um, to find out or to be aware of when you've lost that person, when they're no longer with you, collaborating with you. I think that is a, a, a perfect postscript to that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So uh, photographers could use stand to use their ears a little more, not just their eyes. Yeah. I mean, but I remember fr- uh, Frank Ockenfels telling me about photographing Jack Nicholson. And uh, I think um, Frank got, I think, three or four frames. And Jack Nicholson just walked in, looked at Frank, and then Frank said, I knew by the eyes that that was it. I, I, I wasn't going to get any more, but it was only like three frames. That is, yeah, exactly. So who else have you been speaking to? Anybody who's willing to go on record? Yes, indeed. Um, and, and before I get into the first person, I do want to say something that I've noticed and, and, and I know that you've noticed and we've talked about, but just as a lead into the next person, I think that too many photographers are single-mindedly focused on making a photo book. I think there's this sense, and that sense may be growing in the sort of ephemeral world of photography on Instagram, that having your work in a book some, somehow legitimizes it and you, the photographer. And so I guess I would caution against this sort of knee-jerk drive to turn everything into a book, um, because it might not be the best mode or model of expression for your body of work. And so I, I would just urge people to think more creatively about how their work can be shown and not necessarily feel like it's like a book is the only is the only true way. I completely agree with you. I mean, we've spoken about it at length, haven't we? But for me, story and narrative is the key. Focus on those two things and then find out once you've actually told us that story, what is the correct format? Right. So so coming from that, um, I spoke with Rachel Barker. Um, Rachel is co-founder and director of Stanley Barker Books, a brilliant photo book publisher that has brought some tremendous books into the world in the last couple of years. Um, Previously, Rachel worked in marketing for Leica, Prestel Press, and Blurb. And in my conversation with her, um, she focused on how photographers interact with with the press and media as they try to garner publicity for their book or whatever project they have. So again, this is these are mistakes that happen outside the frame. And Rachel told me, one of the biggest mistakes I see photographers make has to do with publicity for their work. They secure articles for their project in the press before it's a book. Usually, um, usually once work has been featured, particularly in one of the main media outlets, it makes it much more difficult or sometimes impossible to garner more coverage later later on down the line as journalists will look and think that it's already been covered that it's old news or you won't be able to do um they won't be able to do an exclusive so she she goes on to say that um we at Stanley Barker wouldn't publish a project that had already received lots of press coverage you want to have a release date for the book and take a strategic approach in terms of getting multiple magazines and newspapers covering the news at the same time. Okay. Makes Um, sense. I mean, I I think a lot of photographers 
um, have difficulty getting any marketing, certainly in the UK, um, for their work. So I wonder, as, as we often discuss, I wonder if there's a, a different kind of a process to be applied here in the US than perhaps in the UK or, or Europe or, or anywhere else. Um, possibly, you know, a, a lot of the photographers that I work with when I help them make their books and start to conceive of a of a press and marketing strategy is there's almost like an impulsiveness. Like if they do have some connection um, with some media outlet, you know, they want to get as much, you know, they want to get that attention right away. And it's really, really important to be patient and to wait. And like Rachel says, think strategically. And I think a lot of photographers, for example, only think about getting press for themselves in photo-based publications or outlets. When in fact, if your photographs have to do with people wearing really interesting clothes, those pictures could also go in the fashion press. Or if there's great cars in the background, they could be an automotive press. So I think it's also thinking thinking laterally. And I guess the last, you know, the, the thing that I'll add to this before we go back to Rachel is that I would also be wary of sharing too many of your photos from your project or upcoming book on Instagram in advance of it, far in advance of it coming out. Because I think when people see those images again, when the book finally comes out, they don't feel as fresh or surprising. But it does also all depend very much about audience, doesn't it? All of these things we talk about in the conversation, there's so much overlap, isn't there? Because, you know, you might show the work to one audience, but then there's another audience out there that have never seen it. Right. And so in a sense, you know, my my, my rather pathetic stories about my celebrity mishaps um, were about kind of lack of research, really, and lack of planning. Um, and that's exactly the same situation you're talking about here with marketing, isn't it? That feeds into the second thing that Rachel says, which is, quote, when the book is ready, the second biggest mistake I see is not having a strategic approach. Photographers should be planning ahead work backwards from the release date to put um, to put in place all the details needed, such as a launch event, signings, publicity in magazines and newspapers, sending copies of the book to key people and influencers, social media promotion, etc. Everything should happen to create a real burst of excitement when the book is released. And she ends it there. But that goes that, you know, that goes to the preparation thing you were talking about. Be strategic, make lists, make calendars um, and hit those dates and think about all that ahead of time. But it fits in. I, I do love the I don't know how this works, but so often you speak to people and you bring back their um their comments. And I find myself in a sort of, sort of awkward situation of having to say, yes, kind of, that's what I do. And I'm not trying to make it about me, but any of my students would know, or photographers I work with, I always say, you know, we don't get on the bus and, and take me, say, take me wherever you want to go. You know, take driver, you take me where you want to take me to. We get on the bus and we say, this is my destination. And that's a really good reason for working backwards. Because if you know your destination, you can make smart moves all of the way through. That is a great way to think about it. Get on the bus, everybody. Yeah, and work smart. You know, so often I hear people saying, I'm working really hard. And I'm like, yeah, you are. But you're working in completely the wrong direction. 
And I think sometimes working smart means using your network. And, you know, if you know somebody in publicity um, well before your book has come out, you know, you can ask them, you know, do they have a sample calendar that they use, which then you can sort of, you know, use and riff off of? Or do you have someone who's a great writer or editor who can look over, you know, some of the the letters you're going to be sending as far as outreach so that you don't make spelling mistakes? You know, you, use your network. I, I would certainly add that as well. But who else do you speak to, Bill? I spoke with um, Mia Deal, who is a wonderful photo editor, a total pro who kind of picks up from where, where we're leaving off. And, and her first um, her first mis- mistake she sees is not doing your homework. I love when photographers send emails or cards with samples and links to work. But have they really looked at fortune recently? Don't tell me you love what we do, although I love hearing that, and then send examples of work that has little in common with our brand. I have an excellent imagination and I have been known to quote, off a sign, but my creative faith is tested when I am sent lingerie photos for consideration. And she adds, it's happened. I think that goes to, again, preparation, clear thinking, doing the research beforehand and not sending Fortune magazine lingerie photos, sending them something that might actually appear in their pages. But is that a mistake or is that just being unprofessional? Uh, well, it, it's a mistake to be unprofessional, but yes. <laughs> well, but that's an interesting point, though, isn't it? I mean, what is, you know, what is, is that point at which a mistake becomes a mistake? And I suppose in a way, maybe what you're talking about there is a kind of a lack of empathy. You know, you're not, not really thinking that the client is important and thinking it's all about you, which I think is a massive mistake that a lot of photographers are making and I'm certainly seeing on social media at the moment a lot of photographers who seem to think it's all about them. So when you think of examples of that what comes to mind? Because I think you're you're spot on. I think photographers sort of saying, yeah, this is what I do and I do it for this and this is what you know, it's all about this kind of um internal dialogue without which is fine if you want to make work as a hobby and you just want to do it for yourself and and it's a passion that's fine but if you ever want to make any money out of photography it can't just be all about yourself so i'm just um gonna throw this out there um and it came to me as you were speaking and i think what you're saying is very wise i see a lot of photographers now refer to themselves as creators oh goodness sake And so I think when you're a creator, it's about you. And when you're a photographer, a certain kind of photographer, a commercial photographer, whatever, editorial photographer, it's not so much about you. It's about the subject or the brand you're working for or the pages that will be seen or the reader. And I think I wonder if people are thinking about themselves differently when they use a different word to when they use a specific word to um, uh, sort of identify with. Yeah, I think you're right. And, I, and maybe we're going off, off topic here, but I think it's, it's it's really relevant, which is I'm seeing a lot of people, and you're probably seeing the same things, particularly on threads, that I think is really coming into its own now. I think it's starting to work. But I'm seeing a lot of people on there describe themselves as creators, creatives, artists, multimedia artists, kind of everything other than photographer. And 
I just wonder why. And I'm starting to think, and I'm seeing a few um, kind of comments that perhaps back, back up my theory, that these are people who've grown up on Instagram and think that Instagram is the world of photography, and it isn't. Um, I think that's really interesting. And I think that's actually one of the things that um, Michael Robinson Chavez was speaking about that that Michael Young referenced, which was when you get lots and lots and likes, uh, lots and lots of likes for a photo on Instagram, all that means is it's a it's an easily scannable, quote unquote, gettable photograph as somebody is thumbing through their feed. It doesn't mean it's a great photo. Um, or a photo that has lasting power. Uh, so I, I, I think you're right. I also think about how in, in my time in magazines, the top art position for a while was art director. And then it became, um, you know, a uh, creative director. And I think somehow people think that it's less limiting or constricting to be a creator rather than a photographer is my guess. Well, I, the only thing I can back that up because I was an art director who became a creative director, and the reason, well, <laughs> thanks. But the only reason was so I could get more money. It was like, yeah. you know, there's a ceiling to the salary for an art director. So if they made me creative director, then they could put that past the money guys, and I got a, I got a bigger salary. So you know, we have. To, I, I am quite sort of. Um, business based in into why these decisions are made but i also do think you're you're right the but these photographers it's not just that they're looking for the likes and it is a mistake to think that the world of photography is instagram because when i do talk to people and they're shocked when i say yeah but people on Insta instagram don't get paid you know, that, <laughs> right. that's not how it works and they're and they're they're horrified I'm like, yeah, but but they must be. So no, no, they're not. They might have lots of followers. And obviously a lot of professional photographers are on Instagram, but also an awful lot aren't. You know, a lot of those photographers are just doing work for, and, and they're doing other things. So big mistake is if you live in a social media world and think that that's the world of photography. Yeah, and and just to get back to to what you were saying um, initially, because I think it leads into um, to Mia's next point, which is about empathy and and thinking the the photographer, you know, it's about the photographer rather than you know the viewer or or the photo editor. And so what what Mia says is, you know, a mistake. What one mistake she sees is doing what's easier for yourself than what's easier for the person looking at your photos. And she says, quote, a lot of photographers send PDFs, but most companies have firewalls. And I think she means most big corporate companies have firewalls that prevent these from getting through to inboxes. And when they do get through, we're given a message that is strongly advised not to open attachment from senders we do not know. So Mia says, better to send me work in a link or an email first asking to send a PDF. So I thought that was like a very small thing, but really interesting. So like if you if you send your work in a PDF to a to a big media company and don't hear back, that may be why. Well, you know, I've been teaching this for years, I have to say, uh, saying exactly that same thing that she's saying there. 
One of the things that's happened over the last few weeks is is I've got this MA launch, uh, professional photography. uh, And one of the key factors is exactly that kind of information being given to people within that formal uh, structure uh, of of, uh, education. Because it does seem to be that an awful lot of people seem to think they know how it works and you do this and you do that. And it's just not very well informed. So you've got to be really careful who you listen to and take advice from. Exactly. Um, Mia goes on to say that a mistake is not captioning the work in your portfolio. Even quoting, even portraits, especially portraits. I want to know who you photographed from the super famous to the everyday person. Don't assume I know who everyone is. She says, I am old smiley face. <laughs> You've got to put captions. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, you know, remember you're the person who is looking at your work may not know, you know, the latest musical star or the hottest small upcoming actor. Let us know who that person is. It can only help you. But also, I think, and going back to that thing of empathy, it's respectful to the person you're photographing to put mm-hmm. their name on it. When put it on your website or you send it out to people. And if I go back to that Kylie Minogue thing, all I was interested in was the picture. I really wasn't interested in her. And that's a terrible um, position uh, to put yourself in. You know, I shouldn't have done that. All I was interested in was getting the cover of the magazine. I wasn't interested in working with her. And it was when I was much, much younger. Uh, And I've learned a lot from that now. So the more you can help by give the giving the right information to people when they're beginning their career um the better and that's it's gold it's it's learning gold absolutely um and and more on that point about you know information about yourself that you want to put out there to photo editors or whoever's uh, you know commercial clients Mia says um that one mistake is not including an about page on your site she says you will be representing our brand at the photo shoot. So I want to know who I am sending. I don't care if you're covered in tattoos and dressed completely in purple. What you look like does not matter to me, but personality matters. I want to get a sense of who you are from your about page, what you say about yourself, your work, your approach to your approach to your work and your favorite things about, uh, and your favorite things other than photography. So in short, she says, Tell me who you are. Don't assume that I know who you are. Don't assume that I know where you live. You know, she told me also that I want to know if you if you live in L.A. so that I know you're close to San Francisco if I want to send somebody there or likewise New York or Miami. Um, Let me you know, let me know who you are and where you are. Bill, you're going to have to give me her contact details and I'm going to get her to teach on the M.A because she is saying exactly um, what we say on the undergraduate degree. So couldn't disagree with any of that. Mia is wise. Um, The next person I spoke with is um, Sage Paisner. Um, Sage is an excellent photographer and the founder and executive director of Photo Forum Santa Fe, uh, which is a gallery and a learning center and just a great photo community spot just down the road from me um, here in New Mexico. He's also the head of the photography department at Santa Fe Community College. Uh, Sage told me that one mistake he sees uh, 
a lot is, quote, not researching an institution, a gallery, museum, competition, grant maker, all of that before getting in touch. A photographer should always look at what kind of artist's work they have shown in the past and what type of work they are supporting before thinking about approaching them with your work. For galleries, who is the curator? For competitions, who's the judge or the juror selected to review the work? Research again. Research again, exactly. Um, Forethought and also empathy. You know, it's thinking about who is the curator or or the judge what kind of work have you seen them be interested in or like or reject in the past? And it's like, it's like we say here all the time, know your audience. Yeah. You know, um, there's a cyclical kind of nature to this conversation, isn't there? In that we, we return to the same uh, points, but from different angles. Um, absolutely. And and because of these things, I think, are so crucial and because they keep coming up. Why do we feel that people make the, these mistakes? Um, why do we feel they do? I mean, I personally see them uh, all the time. And uh, and and some of these things are, are such easy, quote unquote, fixes or such easy things to get around. If you just have a little bit more experience um, think about things in a, in a little broader perspective. I mean, I, you know, I think we talked about this in the feedback episode, but I'm going to keep coming back to it. I think as photography staffs have, have dwindled and have shrunk, and as there's less and less mentorship, I think these mistakes are mistakes that used to be learnable, in in an in an office setting, you know, with a mentor, and now it's just a little bit more difficult. Yeah, but maybe it also goes to this um, kind of uh, this idea of the the village square being a social media village square, when there's so much false information flying around that actually, I don't think anything. <laughs> hopefully, uh, nothing we we say on this. Uh, in this conversation and on the podcast, it's all just common sense, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's common sense. and But sometimes you have to be led there a little bit. You know, there are things that I think that are common sense now that when I was a, a, a kid coming up in the business, I just made so many errors. I remember once at when I was um, maybe a, a year out of university into my new job, I once asked my boss for a raise in the men's room. And he, he <laughs> looked well, at hang me. On, hang on, Bill. Hang on. What kind of a raise were you asking for? <clears throat> a monetary raise. Okay. Um, um, you know, I'd, I'd been working at this place for a year uh, or, or nine months. I was doing, I, in my mind, I was doing uh, very good work uh, and I was ready and in my mind. And obviously I was not because who, what kind of a mature person would approach their boss in a captive uh, audience situation and, and ask for more money? I mean, ridiculous. So it's that thing, isn't it, of just being over enthusiastic and losing all sense of reason? Over enthusiastic and feeling like I deserve something. Again, it's what we were talking about thinking about myself and not about the audience. Which. If you're going to be a photographer, you really need to understand that it's not about you. 
Um, a hundred percent. Um, and, 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 and Sage has, has, um, um, uh, two more points here that I think flow from that. One is, uh, he says, um, you know, that less is more, um, quote, if you get a studio visit, uh, show a few up to three developed bodies of work that have strong content and form and a, and a concise, uh, artist statement to accompany the body of work. Don't show your greatest hits show long-term finished or on the way to be finished bodies of work show commitment to a story the greatest hits look cool but lack the depth and substance of a, that a long-term project has to offer and you know the the great photographer and and photo editor uh, Maggie Stiber has told me the same thing that single photographs are really nice but show me that you can tell a story show me that you can commit to something yeah. Do you know, I saw somebody uh, the other day um, on social media, dread, dreadfully, but saying that um, they weren't interested in telling stories with photographs. And mm. I think, well, you've just completely missed the point. You can you can tell a story in a single image. It doesn't have to be a long form body of work, but in an increasingly saturated market, the ability to provide depth uh, to the work over a long form narrative is becoming the kind of defining factor. Why do you think that is? I think because um, I always say that, you know, if you're going to be a photographer and you're going to work as a professional photographer, then there are two things you need to be able to do. One is you've got to be able to tell a story because that's hard. And the second thing is you've got to be consistent because that's hard. Anyone can take photographs and they can be strong occasionally. And you can take individual pictures that sit alone. But to build a narrative and to do any work consistently well, that's where the difficulty is. Yeah. Consistency, consistency, consistency. Yeah. Consistently. <laughs> right. The, the last person I spoke with was, was Emily Kimbrough, um, who has been on staff at Texas Monthly in Austin for just under nine years. She's the creative director now. Um, many listeners in, in, in England may not be familiar with Texas Monthly, but it is one of the best monthly magazines here in the States with a strong emphasis and, and history um, focusing on design and photography. And before Texas Monthly, she was the art director at Southwest Airlines uh, Spirit Magazine. She's also on the board of the Society of Publication Designers here in the U.S., Emily told me that one mistake photographers make is not responding to their outreach quickly. Um, and when I say their outreach, I mean the magazine's outreach quickly. And again, this goes to the empathy thing. And she says, quote, we often have late breaking or last minute stories. So if photographers are able to respond to us about an assignment in a timely manner, it's great. Even if that's a no, no, I can't do it. No, I'm busy. Um, even if it's a no, we'll remember the quick response because it means we can move on to our next ask. Not hearing back makes our jobs unspeakably more difficult. Communication during the production of a shoot is also critical. If we don't hear from you, we worry. I, it's um, professionalism. You know, it's empathy, isn't it? It's it's all of those things in one. Maybe that the way to, are we going to come up with some kind of a solution here, perhaps, uh, rather rather uh, scarily because we we tend not to but um maybe what we're talking about is avoiding mistakes is all about thinking of the other person first 
Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, put yourself in the photo director's shoes in this case. If she doesn't hear from you on a on a long shoot, you know, you could be thinking, oh, I'm so professional. I don't have to check in. And she's thinking, oh, my God, I wonder what's going on. Why am I not hearing that things are going OK um, yeah. or that things aren't going OK? And I can and I can help. So so check in. Offer reassurance. Offer reassurance because because they they don't want to be surprised, uh, you know, an hour before the stories do by getting a phone call from you saying, actually, it didn't quite work. So check in along the way. You know, she she also told me um, that too many photographers don't keep their online portfolios relatively up to date. Um, and that goes for, for your site and also social media. Quote, even with photographers that we have established relationships with, we often return to their portfolio to see how their work has evolved or to look for specific examples to talk to talk through with our editor friends. And, and me, Bill, I've come across this too often, it may, and it sort of makes me wonder, you know, what you've been doing for the last year or two. So check in, you know, let, tell us where you are, where, where, you're, where you're coming from and where you're going to. So research, um, empathy, communication, they seem to be the. I think they're the, the, that's what that's where we are. Are those, those the three? Well, key things? and if you think about it, it's kind of um, like any relationship. You know, you want to think about the other person in the relationship and put yourself in in his or her shoes. I often um, talk about the idea of you know when you you go on a first date and you're on a first date with somebody. You know, do you want a second date with somebody who just spends all the time talking about themselves? Well, you don't. You you want to have a kind of a little bit of back and forward, but you really like it if they're really interested in you. Um, that's right. Um, you know, I, I there's one more quote that I'd like to read, which I sort of saved for the end, if I might. This this comes again from um, Sage Paisner in, in Santa Fe. And he what he sees as a mistake is letting the art world define your happiness. Quote, you must define what makes you happy and follow that happiness with a passion and commitment. Being an artist and living a, a life of an artist or a life in the arts is beautiful and worthwhile experience. So keep making photographs that express how you feel about the world you're living in. And remember that things don't always happen right away. Sometimes it's about building relationships that pay off later in your career and in your life. I think that's a lovely way to end it, but I am gonna add that's all very well, but also be aware that you're going to want somebody to see that work and you're going to have to uh, step outside of yourself at some point. Absolutely. Bill, as always, you you set me a task this time to talk about something which I wasn't quite sure about. But I think uh, with all of the people you've spoken to, as always, they've given us fantastic responses. So I thank you for your, uh, your journalism. Of course. And... Um... Uh, I do want to thank the people, as always, that that were kind enough to speak with us. And, and a big thanks to the listeners and, and keep the feedback coming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the podcast keeps getting bigger and bigger. And there's a real community of you out there now, I know, who uh, are engaging with us and with the podcast. And uh, do please, you know, let people know we're having these conversations because, uh, it's very clear that um, there's some really good advice there that could be implemented. Absolutely. Thank you, Grant.
Oh, thank you, Bill. And um, the next time we'll um, be chatting, we'll actually be on the New Year's um, special. Excellent. I look forward to that. Yeah, we'll be looking back at uh, 2023, and and we're going to try and look forward to 2024. Um, We're going to have to see how we do with that. As always. (laughs) Thanks so much, Bill, for your time. Thanks, Rick. And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget... Take care.